0: Let's pray, Father, thank you that in spite of who we were and who we are and what we have done, that you brought Jesus to earth to redeem, to save, to renew, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so to him be all the glory today. As we hear now your word open to us, give us eyes to see Jesus. Give us eyes to hear his word. Give us hearts to love him, hands and feet to obey him, and knees to bow before him. Jesus is Lord of all. Thank you. In his name I pray. Amen. It is our pleasure and privilege today to invite Dr. Tim Alchin to this pulpit. Dr. Tim is the Executive Director of the Biblical Counseling Center, which has several locations here in the northwest suburbs in the greater Chicagoland area, and the headquarters is right here in our facility, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you Dr. Tim Alchin.
1: It's good to uh, be with you, and for those of you joining us online as well, thank you for uh, uh, coming to church this morning and doing what God calls us to do—to encourage one another. And so, it's uh, it's my honor and privilege to be able to speak and share with you uh, today. Um, in recent uh, months, the the president of Ukraine boldly reminded the leadership of the United States of a powerful principle. It was this in times of war you need friends to have your back you need the support of your allies no country or no individual can withstand every attack we all need support and there's a spiritual lesson in this political moment that we shouldn't overlook and and we need to consider this moment in our larger culture over the past over the past several years Many people lost track of their friends. They went about living their social and spiritual lives alone, while some isolated due to medical necessity, others willfully engaged, disengaged from the church, work, or other community activities that were sources of connections and friendship for them. And unfortunately, many find themselves in this very moment without friends and without support. Sadly, far too many engaged in self-destructive patterns and now find themselves in a place where they never thought they would be. If you took a random survey of families surrounding this church this morning and you went out and started to interview people about what's going on in their lives, you would see situations of great heartache and brokenness. Perhaps you would find situations like this. You might find a husband who leaves it all to pursue the greener pastures of adultery. You'd find the young man who's in a good job, but he suddenly crashes and burns because an addiction takes control. You'd find a grieving widow who lost their spouse far too soon. You'd find a young person who cracks under the pressure and becomes overtaken by anxiety or an eating disorder. You might find a wife with physical or emotional bruises wishing she had someone to support her in what seems like a helpless situation, trying to save her family. If you want a glimpse into the nearly 8,000 counseling hours the Biblical Counseling Center conducted last year, and and you wonder what walks through the doors of the Biblical Counseling Center in Schaumburg here, and our other locations, we meet with individuals and stories just like these. There's so much pain and difficulty all around us in this community, and sadly we find that many Have no local community. They have no local church or Christian community. And many others don't feel like they can be honest with the church that they come from. However, I'd be naive if I thought that that just happened out there. If we look at the statistics and we we look at the statistics of what's even happening in the church, we aren't just hurting out there, we're hurting inside the walls of the church too. And when you walk alongside those experiencing great difficulty, you realize something. There's often a common denominator. And the common denominator is that in the most severe cases, almost always, they were living a life of isolation. They had no wise friends who knew the choices they were about to make. And there was no one there to talk to them or try to stop them. And in the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to examine some of the principles, we we find this that living without healthy friendships is not a place where any of us thrive. Do you get that? Living without healthy friendships is not a place where anyone will thrive. It's not wise to live a life in isolation apart from the input of wise friends. One of the questions I get asked most often as a counselor, or one of the questions that I ask asked most often as a counselor is this, what do your wise friends say you should do? You think about it, you're in counseling, and you you present a problem, and and the counselor asks you, what do your wise friends say that you should do? And I get three common responses. The first is some people scratch their head, and they're like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I don't think I have anyone in my life who qualifies as a wise friend. There's no one I can talk to about this. The second response I often get is, my wise friends don't know. I've never talked with them about what I'm going through. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I thought I could do this on my own. They've distanced themselves from wise friends, fearing the embarrassment of admitting a persistent struggle. Last is, some people say, well, I don't agree with my wise friends. Some are, some are looking for a counselor to give them freedom to do what their heart desires to do. But, but bottom line is this, without wise friends, we are at a major disadvantage. When it comes to making the right choices in life. And God didn't intend us to go through life without having wise friends. And God created friendship as the solution to our loneliness. And a necessary source of wisdom when we need it. In fact, God himself is a faithful friend in our time of need. But God doesn't instruct us to live our life without other quality friendships. And through wise friendships, we experience the love and the wisdom of God. We are motivated and safeguarded. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at Proverbs. And what did the author of Proverbs, a father speaking to his sons, what did he have to say about friendship? What did he have to say about the people that influence you? And and we're going to ask the question, um, what is the way that life is supposed to work under God's rule? If you embrace wisdom, he's going to say this is the result if you embrace foolishness, this is the result. So here's the question I have for us this morning. How can this church be a place where wise friendships are found and kept and thrive? How can it be that? And Proverbs lays out four reasons why we need to, take quality, we need to make quality friendships. And it gives us one warning if we don't. So if you've got your Bibles, flip over to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. The first principle that Solomon lays out for his sons in Proverbs 20, verse 18, is that our wise friends guide us. He says this, Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. He had learned, and he put it into a, a military theme, he, he had learned that going to war without having an exit strategy is pretty costly. We don't have to look back any further than 10 years in, in, or 15 years in, in the U.S. to recognize that when we don't have all the data right, what happens? We get stuck. We, we get stuck in a war that, that seemingly has little end and, and, and has little to gain. And Proverbs 2018 is vividly being played out across us, across the world right now. We should pray for our leaders as they make life and death decisions that will impact many across the world. Now, thankfully, most of our decisions aren't life and death consequences, but they still have a major impact on the course of our life. Choosing to get married, stay married, or end your marriage all have significant consequences. An imbalance in work or substance or leisure time leads to major struggles that cause significant pain to reverse. So, when it comes to the major decisions of life, what's the role of our friends? Some people choose to go at it alone, but when we do, we often fail. And wise people seek the input and guidance before moving ahead. Think about your church. Does this church thrive? Does it thrive best when teams of people work together? Of course. Because when, when you work together, you increase the chances of getting the input right. What about your marriage? Does your marriage work best when both spouses work together? Of course. Wait, what about children? Do children work best when they seek the input of their parents? I'm a parent of teenage boys, I can tell you. It's the truth. Bosses work best when they seek the input of their employees. Why? Because Proverbs lays this out for us. He says, we are foolish when we go at major life decisions alone. We need the input of wise friends. And God calls us to be cultivating the friendships that we can rely upon for our own spiritual good. Now, reason number two is from Proverbs 20, verse 29 to a little bit further down. And reason number two is that um, wise friends teach us. Proverbs 20, verse 29 says this. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Now, I'm not going to make you self-select whether you're in the young man category or the gray hair category this morning, okay? Um, I'm rapidly moving towards the latter, right? Um, But the, the truth is this. What is he saying? He's saying young men tend to work harder, but old men tend to work smarter. Right? There's a wisdom that comes about over time that, that's forged in the, in the experiences of life. And so when it comes to friendship, he's saying we can benefit from the wisdom of different perspectives, whether age or ethnicity or life experiences that's brought about a unique perspective And in this world full of influencers all around us seeking to peddle shallow philosophies that appeal to the masses. Wisdom is something we need to treasure. Do you get that? Wisdom is more valuable than ever. True wisdom. Not shallow wisdom. Not fake wisdom. What about the wisdom from other ethnic origins? I love to see a church where, where you know, it's, it's multicultural and, pe- and people come from various backgrounds because we can all learn from each other. What, what about the wisdom from other life stages? Are, are the older generations in this church willing to listen to the younger? And are the younger generations willing to listen to the older? Because the truth is that we can learn from one another. You can't have a healthy church with just one generation. God calls us to be discipling the next and, and pulling in the younger generations as well as the older generations. What, what about wisdom from those who've overcome trials in life? You think about single parents who have found that God is faithful despite the difficulty that so many experience in raising a child alone. Some of you have had that experience and you know that God is faithful. And there's other young moms in this community and in, in, in area who can benefit from your wisdom. What about those of you who've survived cancer or some other serious illness? And you know that God is faithful. You know that, that, that your story can be, can be used to impact people who find out the gut-wrenching news that they are facing a battle with cancer. Why does God bring the body together? What about some of you who've been through marital restoration? You've been in a difficult spot in your marriage. You thought your marriage wouldn't last. And you stuck it out. And you found that God was faithful. I remember having a gentleman come to my office and um, he came and he asked for help in seeking to restore his marriage. And he, he was repentant over uh, some of the things that he had done that led to the breakdown of the marriage but in, in listening to the story it wasn't just him and uh, he, he said can, can you help me my, my church leaders have decided that that they will will they won't help any hurting marriages and it seemed a little bit unbelievable to me that a church leadership would decide that they would not engage with hurting marriages and so i asked for a meeting with the elders of the church and so I remember sitting and, and coming to this meeting in the front of an auditorium. We're huddled up and circled up. And, and I begin to listen to these elders. And they were talking about, the, you know, they said in 25 years, all we've seen as a result of trying to help marriage is people choose either misery or divorce. That's it. Misery or divorce are the two options. So we decided we're not going to make them pick anymore. They can decide what they want to do. But we no longer are going to engage. We're not going to help people in hurting marriages. And it's not too often as the director of a biblical counseling center that I pray that churches shut down. But i got to tell you, when I drive past that church, I I hoped they would believe the gospel again more than I shut down, that they would shut down. But if they wouldn't believe the gospel, I hoped they would give the, the church building to someone who would preach the gospel faithfully, who would preach the good news, that God does change people. So, so our wise friends teach us. Now here's the question that we're going to ask. Is this church a place where those with wisdom are accessible to those who need it? If you're in here and you have wisdom about the way life works and, and you've gone through life's difficulties and challenges and you've seen that God is faithful, you have gray hair and maturity, are you sharing it? Who are you impacting? Who, who are you guiding and teaching? Are you friends with young people who need your wisdom? The bottom line is this, that wisdom or wise friends increase our perspective. Reason number three is found in Proverbs 13, 20. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Proverbs thirteen twenty reminds us that wise friends protect us. Here's the way it says it. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. As a teenager, I remember uh, one of my friends uh, recounting the story of how he decided to see if his mom's Volvo station wagon could really go all the way to the end of the speedometer. Okay? They put 140 on there. Can a Volvo station wagon really go 140 miles per hour? And so he decided to find a stretch of highway and, and to pin it. All right? And the truth is, a Volvo station wagon evidently can go 140 miles per hour. Okay? Um, it's not just on there for, uh, for kicks. Now... The truth is that that's a, um, a pretty dumb and dangerous stunt, I think we would all agree, and, and why teenage boys don't rule the world or make the rules, right? Um, and I was driving with my son yesterday, and we're driving to the post office in Wheaton, and along the side of the road, there's one of these crosses. And it's there because a teenage boy this summer tragically lost his life. Now the reality is that He's on a motorcycle. We've heard the story, right? It's played out multiple times. And I don't know all the specifics, but it reminded me of this, that we need wise friends who speak the truth to us about our own dumb and dangerous ideas. And in pride, we can think we're immune to foolish choices, but that mindset itself is on shaky ground. If we don't walk with wise friends we will too often fail and fall. Let me give you another example. I was talking recently to a Christian college graduate of a well-known university here in the Midwest. And after a stressful week, he devised a plan to go home and work from home on Friday afternoon. But he stopped by the liquor store on the way home because he thought he was just going to enjoy a drink out on his back deck And by the time his wife came home at 5 o'clock, he was passed out on his bedroom bed, too intoxicated to interact with her or others. He was an executive at his company. He was smart enough to know better. Um, He he was active in a local church. In fact, I I would dare to say if many of you lived in his town, you would pick the exact church that he goes to. But as I began to talk with him, he, he admitted, I don't really have wise friends that I talk to on a regular basis. He had closed a multi-million dollar deal that week that was going to be really good for his career. He was expecting a significant windfall and he was expecting a significant promotion as a result of closing this deal. And I think we all would agree that going golfing or fishing or, you know, going to a ball game would be a better way to blow off steam on a Friday afternoon after a stressful week. But he came to my office a bit embarrassed and seeking help to find a better way to deal with his stressors. Now, I think we all can recognize that that was a foolish afternoon that he would rather have back. But I want you to consider a few other scenarios. What about the young person sitting in your living room who thinks that she can tame her hothead boyfriend if they just get married? Instinctively, whenever I give that illustration and I look around the room... I see people with gray hair begin to shake their head back and forth. No. Because the wisdom of life, the experience of life has has led them to understand that getting getting married doesn't solve all your anger problems. Right? It doesn't. Just because you get married doesn't somehow turn him into a man of character. And in fact, the time to find out is before you get married to him. We know that. But about the young, the young person who's trying to find a quick buck on, on get-rich-quick schemes. Or the college student who thinks they can party all the time and it won't affect them. They'll change when they're done. Well, the bottom line is this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The wise friends can keep us from danger. We need wise friends in our life. The fourth reason comes from Proverbs 1824. Proverbs 18:24 reminds us that wise friends mature us. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sits closer than a brother. And while Jesus certainly is the closer friend to us, a perfect friend, he modeled for us the encouragement of having earthly friends. Who walked with him do you realize that that jesus had friends who encouraged him who walked with him he modeled that for us he was closest with a few people while still living among the masses having a close friend who will walk through the trials of life is a huge asset do you get that Having friends that will walk through the trials of life is a huge asset to you. And truthfully, you will only have this kind of friendship if you choose to be this kind of friend. Proverbs is reminding us to pursue friends where we are known deeply and we love deeply. Do you get that? Friendships where you're known deeply and you love deeply. And truthfully, we will only have this kind of friend if we choose to be this kind of friend because these relationships are formed over years when you find this type of friend, cherish it and grow it for your good and for theirs. Companions is an interesting word. A man of many companions comes to ruin. You might think about that. And many, many of the Instagram and Facebook friends, if that's all we have, how many of your Facebook friends could you call at two in the morning and them not be annoyed with you? It's the friend who speaks for God into our life. It's the one who represents Christ in our life. It's the one who reminds us of the need for the cross. It's the one who reminds us of the good news of the gospel when we're down. It's the friend who corrects us when we're thinking incorrectly. It's the friend who pushes into our stubbornness and helps us to get to go, get going again. Facebook friends are not enough. Online friends are not enough. There are friends that are closer than a brother. Do you have those kind of friendships? Are you pursuing those kind of friendships? Do you think you need those kind of friendships? Because Proverbs 18 verse 1 gives us a warning. It gives us a warning and it says, don't ignore your need for wise friends. Proverbs 18 1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Living in isolation will eventually make you look foolish you get that? Do you believe that? Living in isolation will eventually make you look foolish. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Will you embrace the wisdom of being friends? So what do we do about this? Healthy friendships are a priority of every disciple making church. Do you understand that? Healthy friendships need to be a priority of every church that is that is committed to the Great Commission. And Pastor Ken spoke last week about Bethel being committed to life changing community from Acts twenty. And he challenged many of you to get trained to be more effective in discipleship conversations. And, and some of you might ask, like, why, why would I come to training to find out about discipleship conversations? Why would, I, why would I even care about that? And, and I would tell you that, that ultimately um, you don't have to be a counselor to disciple people. Okay, we're, we're not doing counseling training. We're doing discipleship conversations. We're, we're training people on, on how to have effective conversations to impact their friends and impact people that they can develop friendships with. And so this January, we're, we're starting with groups all across the country. and And so... This weekend, I'm here. And next weekend, I'm in Chicago. The following weekend, I'm in Missouri. But we've got groups in New Jersey, Montana, Tennessee, Missouri, Chicago, Texas, Minnesota, and, all, and Florida. All of these churches are committed to this question. How can we be a church that's effective in having discipleship conversations? How can we be, be a church that's a, that is leveraging our friendships to help one another grow? And, and so... Um, I want to talk briefly just kind of what we see at the end here. And I want to encourage you that you have an opportunity, um, you have an opportunity to reach the hurting all around you. In fact, in this moment, there's more hurting people than ever before. This community is full of hurting people. If you sat next to me in my counseling offices every week, You'd recognize that whether people are from the church or whether people are just from the community or whether people are, are from the school here, all around us is a world of hurting people. And the truth is, it begins with conversations, it be, begins with friendship where you're reaching the hurting. So, why should we get equipped to care? What are the benefits that you would see? And the first thing is, one of the things that happens when you equip yourself to care in biblical ways is this. You grow in your own understanding of the Bible and how to apply it. And so one of the questions I would often ask when I was pastoring is, I'd ask people, like, what, what does the Bible have to say about the struggle you're facing? Does the Bible have anything to say about depression or anxiety or being a step-parent what about OCD or, or, or trauma? Like, did, Does the Bible give us any insight? Did, did, does it teach us as leaders how we are to respond and love people well in those situations? People are not problems, right? But how do we care for the struggling and the hurting in our community? And we find ourselves in discipleship conversations at times where we have no idea that the Bible gives instructions about the very issue that we're struggling with. And so one of the things that... that you know, we've been talking with the leadership here about is providing some training and equipping so we can better have conversations to equip and deal with the hurting in our midst. The second thing is that I often find that you grow in your ability to help your hurting friends grow. Now, I would say you'd have to want to do that, but I hope we all want to do that. That that more than just coming here faithfully, you know what, that more than just getting 52 weeks of attendance at Bethel Baptist Church this year, that you would resolve that you would have the greatest impact among those that are sitting around you. What's the point of coming here if you're not impacting anyone? It just becomes a tradition. We just go. But it's more important than that. God calls us to be making an impact. And, and so you can grow in your ability to, to speak the truth in love. And the more that we speak and receive the truth in love, the stronger we all become. And so speaking the truth in love requires planning and it requires compassion. And God will use you when you ask him to help you learn how to impact your relationships with this truth. So one of our goals this year is to help. As Bethel has this common goal of, of, of helping hurting friends grow. The third thing is this. You grow in your personal capacity to understand yourself and your own struggles. I had no idea that I struggled with anger until I started counseling young men who struggled with anger as a young counselor. Because I had better self-control than they perhaps demonstrated. But when I started to listen to their mindset and I started to listen to what was going on inside their head, I started to realize that my anger and my pride was just as ugly to God as theirs was. Even though I didn't break doors or drive 140 miles per hour. But you begin to understand your own struggle a little bit more. You you wonder why you're so defensive or or why your anxiety always seems to win. And one of the greatest surprises we hear often as as we train and teach around the country is this, that people grow personally in their walk with God. And good discipleship conversations require a proper perspective on the struggle that one is facing. And you'll learn new perspectives on how to apply God's word, which benefits you as well. The fourth thing is this. You'll be personally encouraged when you get a front row seat. And we regularly hear from the churches that we work with that they're amazed at how people are excited when they help others find victory in Christ. And that it brought him into a relationship, and they've been led to Christ and experienced salvation for all of eternity. And, and here's the truth so many people in crisis have no wise friends, they have no one to rely upon. They don't have family, they don't have friends that have wisdom. What does God call this church to be? He calls it to be a place where we become family where we walk alongside one another, where we, where we experience the love of the Father, both in a spiritual sense and a relational sense. So many in crisis have no wise friends, but Christ challenges us by his example to befriend the friendless and to lead them to living water. So you can have a front row seat. If you're willing to engage in discipleship conversations, if you're willing to be a friend to those in need, you get a front row seat as God changes people. And the truth is, that changes you too. Because because some of you ought to be teachers by now. It's what Paul reminds us, right? You ought to be teachers. And I know many of you are, and many of you are committed to this. And I know many of you are doing this already. But I want to challenge. The more people that commit to this, the more this place will grow spiritually and grow together in unity. The the last one is this. Just you serve your church leaders by lightening their load and helping other grow, others grow. And the truth is that many pastors and many ministry leaders in this season find themselves tired and taking on a heavy load. It's, it's rare that I go a week in my office without meeting with a pastor who's going through major difficulty. I didn't believe early on that pastors might get suicidal, but now I ask every pastor that I counsel if he is, because they're going through a lot. And how can, we be, how can we do better to make sure churches and pastors and congregations are all healthy? And, and I would just say that, that those who are, who are sharing the load of care, like the further we spread the burden, the more effective this church will be. You'll greatly encourage your pastor when you become equipped to care for them and the flock that God has entrusted them with. It's all of our jobs. It's all of our role. It's not just a single person. So you serve your church leaders less by lightening their load and helping others to grow. So if this church is really going to be a church that cares like Christ, it begins with a choice to pursue discipleship relationships and wise discipleship conversations that engage with the struggles that God has allowed to come our way. Here's the point. I want you to do two things as we close out today. The first is evaluate your friendships. Let me ask this question. Do you have wise friends? Do you have anybody who knows what's going on with you? It requires humility to admit that we don't have all the answers and what what we're doing isn't working very well. And even though it's hard to pursue quality friendships, we trust and we realize that we need them. So some of you, I I want you to to evaluate your friendships. The second thing is I want some of you to expand your friendships. I want you to ask this question. What difficulty has God brought me through that I need to be supporting and sharing with others? Perhaps you're reading this with, you know, you're listening to this with a bit of loneliness and a bit of longing. And I would just say re-engage with your friendships. Or begin to pursue new friendships. We need friendships to make it through this difficult life. And God didn't intend for us to go at it alone. Reach out. Give give your friends a call or or send them a message. Let them know that you've forgotten, you haven't forgotten about them and and that coffee would be great. And I would just say this, life is too short to keep going at it alone. God intended for friendship to be used for our good. But we have to pursue it. We, we, We have to choose it. So how can this church be a place where wise friendships are found and kept and thrive? We all need wise friends. Do you have one? And are you willing to be one to someone in need? Let me pray for us as we close. God, we recognize that you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You are the model for us, of loving your friends well. You laid down your life on the cross for us. And God, as we uh, think of this year about expanding the opportunity that Bethel has to care for their community, God, it starts with our friendships. It starts with caring for one another well here and then using that as an opportunity to reach others outside these walls. God, we'd ask that you would bless the church leadership here as they consider what that means for Bethel in this year and the years ahead. God, give them wisdom. God, may we all together care for the hurting in our midst because it pleases you and honors you and because your love has been kind to us. God, use this time today for good in your name. Amen.